Welcome to the 243rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage here. Just had a nice little prop bet sweat going on this uh, kind of shitty evening. I was going to say wonderful, but I remember that we lost. So uh, at least I got some uh, monetary gains from this L that we just took. Yeah. uh, Unfortunate evening tonight in denver as our blazers drop game two of the first round against the nuggets 128 109 the series is all tied up at one as the series shifts back to the row city for games three and games four but before we look ahead let's take a look at what happened in game two Sage, I have a lot of thoughts i think a lot of things went wrong i think a lot of things portland really inflicted on themselves, but I wanted to get your opinion. We kind of look at this, this team through two different lenses and I want to get your take as to what, what do you think went wrong for, for our trailblazers uh, tonight in game two? We didn't utilize good rotations a lot in terms of who was on the floor and who wasn't. So like, I think it's fantastic that Terry Stotts felt the, uh, Felt confident enough and Yusuf to keep him in when the game was still a game. And then he picked up a foul rather quick. We kind of hit our floor in a lot of aspects outside of Damian Lillard. You can say CJ was efficient, but he didn't have enough attempts. Norm was pretty bad until the fourth quarter and the garbage time kind of saved his stat line. We kind It was just hitting the floor. Everyone hit the floor except Damian, who was had a the ceiling of ceiling quarters. So it was, uh, you know, it was kind of a learning experience with rotations and trust and uh, the our, our trust in some of the players kind of went, went wonky. And I normally don't complain about officials, but there was a lot of ticky-tack stuff on both ways, not just ours, both ways, where it was just, like, are we really trying to watch this game? Like, did they not have reservations or anything? Or are they mad at the Trailblazers for getting the restaurant or whatever? Like, they are they are not letting this game be fluid at all. It got extraordinarily ugly. And I think when the game gets ugly, it favors Denver. Because we, we want to be finesse. They want to make it as ugly as possible. They're Leonard Fournette at LSU, and we're Oregon. You know what I mean? Like this, we need this shit to be free flowing and Denver did not let that happen. So we have to match that aggression. I I a hundred percent agree with, with everything you said. There, there were 52 fouls called tonight. I, I believe Portland had two flagrant fouls called on them three to four combined technical fouls. There was a lot of chirping on both sides. I, I think Denver mucked up the game on purpose when you're an undermanned team, you're you're down three guards, Jamal Murray, PJ Dozier, Will Barton. You have to play the game in the mud. You got to get the, the more talented team on the ground, get them in the mud, play, play in quicksand, get get them out of their rhythm. Because if this is just a free flowing game, Portland is the more talented talented team. I think Portland, and this was where I was really disappointed in them. They played frustrated, and I didn't click in my head until my mom actually texted me and said, they're playing frustrated. And I was like, that is a great observation, so astute, because that's, that hit the nail on the head. That is exactly how Portland played. They, they were out of their rhythm. They let the officials get them out of their rhythm, whether they were good calls or not. They let Denver get them out of the rhythm. I mean, a case in point was Kompazu on the out-of-bounds play, drawing a flagrant foul on CJ McCollum. I mean, we saw Nate Tibbetts come off the bench in, in the first quarter to get a technical foul. Like, Portland is supposed to be the mature team. We're supposed to be the more talented team. You got one. Go get the second one. Handle your business. Instead, you got caught up in all these mind games that Denver wanted to play. Denver wants to talk. Denver wants to get you off their rhythm. 
that's how they win. And, and Portland played right into that. Honestly, it was very reminiscent of game three against Oklahoma City in 2019. I remember Dame had like a 20 to 25 point third quarter in that series. It wasn't enough. We ended up losing by double figures. And Dame, especially in that game in 2019, was going back and forth with Russ. Usually he's just listening, letting it soak in, and then punishing the team with his play. This time, it looked like Portland, every single member of the roster had something to say to an official, to a Nugget player. They were reactionary, and they they let their emotions get the best of them. And it's understandable because it's a, it's a high emotional situation. It's the playoffs. It's game two. Uh, Denver's playing for their playoff lives. You're playing to really end them in, in all, all regards. And, and Portland just, they, they couldn't resist that temptation. You know, they played with the emotions on their sleeves and they couldn't resist the urge to have the last word, to nitpick, to maybe get the elbow in or in Carmelo's case, shove Jokic. It was a complete mental collapse by the Portland Trailblazers. And it's, it's understandable if it's a young team, but Sage, this is a veteran laden team. This, this should not have happened. Like I know a lot of the chatter on Twitter right now is about the officiating and yeah, it wasn't great. I'm not mad about that. You're always going to get questionable officiating. I mean, as long as we've watched the game of basketball, that's what happens. But for a team that is so normally cool, calm, and collected, to just get caught up in this, I, I'm very disappointed in them. They, they let Denver beat them mentally, and that should never happen. Denver does not have a leader in that locker room. Tara Biggs mentioned that on our preview episode when she talked about the series in 2019. They don't have a leader. They should not be the ones dictating these mental games. And if Portland wants to get right, they better get back to the basics and and look at themselves and view them as the opponents. Because in this series, the only team that can beat the Portland Trailblazers are the Portland Trailblazers. And they did it to themselves tonight. I mean, the only way Denver wins multiple games this series is if they do exactly what they did against us tonight. They're going to make it dirty. This is this is important to every player in this series. Like, just because you know we're, we're Portland and you know we're underdogs doesn't mean Denver isn't fighting for this shit just as hard. So they dictated a lot. They forced so an abnormal amount of turnovers in one quarter. They made the shit dirty. We can't be too oversensitive about our team, we have to match that energy because that desperation, I mean, that that is the difference between game one and game two. D- Denver came out desperate. They were hungry for this win. And they knew that the only way they could fuck with us talent-wise is if, hey, we'll let, let's, let's get them up in their emotions, get them away from playing good basketball. And Damian Lillard tried to keep us in the game, but we weren't getting that consistent production like we the bench saved our butts last game when we're dealing with foul trouble at the level that we were it was kind of imperative that the bench show out and denver's bench just was the superior second unit you mentioned a lot of a lot of talking points all good ones but i want to start with the urgency because that's what i had high on my list we knew Denver was going to come out and play desperate, and we knew Portland had to match that, maybe even weather a first-quarter storm. But Portland never could really – after the first few minutes of the game, they, they were in a hole, and they, they could never dig out of that hole, Dame be damned. Sage, where was that urgency? Why, why, why did they come out so flat-footed? And I want to quote – Charles Barkley, because again, it's coming up on Twitter and everyone's kind of piling on me a little bit because I I think he's not wrong. He said they did the exact same thing they did against the Lakers last year. They relax. Good teams get greedy. That's the one thing that annoys me about the Trailblazers. And, And I'm hearing a lot of people say, well, we had no chance against the Lakers last year. That's fine. The, the Lakers were the champions. They, they should have won that series. 
that series really wasn't competitive after game one. Game two of that Lakers series was very reminiscent of game two of this series. Portland, outside of Damian Lillard, did not have that killer instinct. And it it just feels like I still feel Portland is going to win this series just because they're more talented than the Denver Nuggets. But they're going to make it as difficult as possible, huh? They're they're just going to try and extend this series with their old bad habits. And I, I want to know, what is your take on why? I mean, it's been a thing that we've dealt with since this era of basketball started, though. It this isn't This isn't anything different than previous years. You mentioned... You mentioned the Lakers series. You mentioned all these other prime examples. I think that we have a problem with starting the game locked in mentally. I think that it's better this year, but it's still bad. I think that this habit is still very much a part of our the fabric of our team. And it might be the players. It might Well, the players, everybody's different besides Dame and CJ, essentially. So is the coaching not getting them motivated or are they not pressing the right buttons because it's been a thing terry stouts damian lillard and cj mccollum have been there on this team since day one there is a problem somewhere and i i don't know where it is but it's been a thing for a long time so it's it's one of the those three like we're not we're not getting the right coaching to get them this is the this is the playoffs this isn't the king's january 23rd or something this is the playoffs it, it's a problem like the we need to be focused up and good job to denver for punching us in the mouth it was just we didn't have enough we didn't have enough heart sage no we didn't have enough heart outside of damian lillard the team didn't have the heart. And that pains me to say, I hate calling out my team on heart because I I know what type of season they've been put through in terms of all the testing, just being isolated, the compressed schedule, being away from their family. I get it. This is the postseason though. Everyone's vaccinated. You get a little bit more freedom. You get a chance to lock in on one opponent. You have a chance to snatch the soul of the Denver Nuggets and outside of Damian Lillard, I saw no heart. I think that, Robert that, Covington showed some, but he was not productive. I, I just didn't see the urgency, Sage. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's from the players. I don't know if it's from the coaches. I mean, you would think with a, a player group that includes Damon CJ that have been through this, Norman Powell's won a championship. Covington's played on other elite teams. Uh, Carmelo is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And his Cantor's played in a lot of big games as well with Oklahoma City and through the Western Conference Finals with us two years ago. So it's not like we have a bunch of Anthony Simons type of characters who this is their first experience. No, this is a tried and true veteran cast. And look, I get it. It's hard to go up 2-0 on the road. And if it were more of a close loss, I think you'd be hearing a different tune from both me and, and yourself. But Sage, we got punked from the get-go, and had it not been for a, a Herculean performance from Damian Lillard in that second quarter, we're talking about maybe a 40, 30-point loss. I mean, it, it would have gotten extremely ugly had Dame not tried as he might to put the team on his back uh, to get us to respectability. But nobody else really decided to, to show up, and, and I think it started on the defensive end of the floor I noticed a lot of easy switching and it created a lot of mismatches for Denver because if we look at game one in terms of adjustments, Denver force fed the ball to Jokic right off the bat game two, the ball was really out of his hands to start the game. I think Denver jumped out of the gates and Jokic had only scored once. And I was like, this, this is worrisome. They were beating us off the dribble one-on-one, but we were also switching every single screen and not putting any resistance. So Denver really dictated the Mm -hmm. matchups that they wanted. And it just, seemed like Port- it just seemed like Portland was, was cool with that. Like we didn't put up any resistance and that's been a constant theme throughout these past two years of suboptimal blazer defense. I mean, 
they did what they were supposed to do, and we didn't do what we were supposed to do because Michael Porter Jr. can't defend any of our guards. And I don't think there was more than like seven attempts for us to take advantage of it. So we missed out on such a humongous advantage. And I'm sure that Damian Lillard scored on him, but he was shooting from 40 feet away. So is it really a a possession attacking Michael Porter Jr.? Is it attacking the laws of physics that a ball can go in from that, like, you know, from that range with that amount of uh, efficiency? So I, I think that we did a lot of good things in that game one, especially attack. Like there was a quarter dedicated to fucking up Michael Porter Jr. There was there that it's there every it's there every second he's on the court it's there, and we didn't take advantage of it. But they took advantage of our our easy switching this the, the switchability of this team. So you know Joker was on a guard and. Michael Porter Jr. was on a big who he's just faster than because Michael Porter can dribble really well. So it was just they attacked our weaknesses and we didn't do the same right back. And I, you know, as someone who's done DFS and uh, sees sees the mismatches that the Blazers could attack and we never do, it's just like, oh, this is the same old shit. We never do this shit. I was excited game one because we did do it. So it, it playoff basketball and basketball in general is very simple. If you can, if you have a mismatch, abuse it. Denver did, we didn't, and that, I mean that that's the game right there. Yeah, to me, it felt like a role reversal of game one. Game one, mm-hmm. you have Jokic going for thirty-four and sixteen, just the one assist. But Portland also had Damian Lillard, who had thirty-four and thirteen, and a bunch of his other teammates joined the party. Mm-hmm. You had Mello, Simons, uh, Nurk, uh, Covington, late. Uh, you know, CJ and Norm had their moments. Tonight, it was the complete opposite. Dame had 42 and 10, but Jokic is the one that put up 38, 8, and 5, and also had five other teammates come to his aid and get double figures. I mean, that that to me was really the telltale sign of of this game. And you mentioned uh, CJ and Norm and, and Rocco. Portland has to find a way to get them involved Um, as beautiful as it is to watch a game go nuclear. And and I think we will need that at points that can't be our only method of, of offense. And if we look at, at the box score, you know, CJ was incredibly efficient. Yes. He had the five turnovers. And I think that kind of was an all encompassing aspect of this game. What could go wrong did go wrong. How many attempts do you have? 21 points on nine of 12 shooting, but Needs he only to took more. Yes. He only took three threes and it, it's, it's kind of crazy that the Blazers get 63 from Damon CJ on well over 50% shooting and get run out of the gym. Uh, the Blazers need to find ways to get him the ball more. I think if we look at Norm, you mentioned he had a couple of dunks late, but really, this is the second straight game where we've had a hard time getting him attempts as well. Uh, he only takes nine shots. Oh, of three from downtown uh, does get to the line uh, six times. Again, yeah, Covington, yeah, again, Covington, just three attempts two from downtown. Again, he is a basically a 40% shooter from, from distance. The Blazers really were where they lost the game. 73 field goal attempts, Denver, 86, Portland turned the ball over 21 times compared to Denver's 12. Portland only turns the ball over on average about 11 times per game. Uh, That's the best in the NBA at taking care of the basketball. So when you limit, you know, opportunities from Nurk and CJ and Dame and and Norm and Rocco and all of the starting five, really everybody who's on the, in the eight man rotation, you're giving the opposition 13 more attempts. Mm Mm-hmm. That that is such a huge factor. So almost, I mean, you can look to the first play of the game. Covington strips them of the ball, throws it directly out of bounds, and I, I just kind of had like a pit in my stomach. And I was like, something just—that's never a good sign. Just throwing the ball away, the unforced errors that they had. Um, what was Nurk's stat line? It, it wasn't pretty. I, I will tell you that. So Nurkic played uh, twenty-four and a half minutes. Two of eight from the field, 13 rebounds, which is a plus. Yeah, it's a problem. But 
but seven points and six fouls. So six fouls in 24 minutes. That's a foul every four minutes that he was on the floor. Uh, picked them up in, in bunches as well. I did think the foul, the offensive foul on Monte Morris that got him out of the game was atrocious. I know it went to review and they still said it was a, a charge. I, I, that That's bunk. Morris did not give him a chance to land his feet. His heels were up. He he didn't get there in time. But that's that's neither here nor there. It seems to me, Sage, that this Blazer team just kind of goes as Nurk in the starting lineup and Carmelo off the bench goes. You know, Carmelo, one of five for five points compared to 18 points in, in game one. So it's just like you can almost look at the box score and see what those two players do. Portland's probably winning or losing based upon their production, as wild as that seems. I mean, those two are just kind of our there are X factors for, for multiple reasons. I, I was looking at this stat and I, you can fantasy points per minute is only important for showing what you do in, in a minute, right? It, you know, your points, rebounds, assists. So in the last month, Nurkic was a top five in fantasy points per minute, meaning he produced 1.5 Fandle points a a, a minute. Only Nikola Jokic, James Harden, Giannis, and Luka produced more per minute. So his rebounds is great, but if we're trying to go far in the playoffs, Yusuf needs to produce like he did in the last 30 days. And I get it. You can't, it's hard to produce really well every time you go out the court, especially going against the MVP candidate and you picking up fouls. But if he wants that paper, he better. You're putting, you're putting us at a huge disadvantage when you, you limit your minutes per game. Because th- we need Yusuf to play 30 minutes. We see what happens to our defense with Ennis Cantor comes in the game. You know, we were a top 15 defense with Nurk on and the worst with Ennis. And like, I'm not doing any other sub package. It's just that is a humongous difference between the teams. So, yeah, Yusuf needs to, Yusuf needs to stay out of foul trouble and play minutes for us. I think if we're looking ahead to the games in Portland, Terry Stotts needs to make – he needs to do what, what what Mike Malone did tonight, and that was let others get involved. You don't necessarily need to force feed the ball to Dame to start the game. Maybe CJ takes some action. Uh, run some pick and roll with Nurk. Let him finish around the rim. He's He is just a player that, that, that plays on emotion, and when he feels good about himself and he doesn't get caught up, he's almost like Rasheed Wallace in a sense, like – he doesn't get caught up in the outside surroundings. He just does himself. And if we get him going, I feel like it ignites him on the defensive end. And we saw how productive he can be in game one. You're looking at 16, 12, and five assists. Well, he was nowhere near the points production. He only had one assist tonight. Uh, he matched the rebounds, which is great. But but honestly, Nurk, we need him to score and hand out assists. So I think that's going to be a major point of emphasis for Terry Stotts and the coaching staff is, okay, how can we get our big fella involved early and often? Dame is so good that he can score at any point of the game. We know we need to take care of the basketball. And I would throw Norman Powell into this mix as well. Can we run some action that gets him going to the rim? No, I think the first shot he took was an off-the-bounce three and I told I was I just looked over to Olga and I said that's not his game. She said, you know what what is his game? I said catch and shoot threes, especially in the corner, or action off the dribble handoff that gets him going to the rack because he's such a strong finisher can get to the line. He can hit off bounce when he's in the rhythm of the game. Um, I just ran a query. Damien's usage rate in the last two games is outrageously high. It's a uh, 36.3% of the the time it's in his hands. Norm has regressed to 15, which is like a, 
a 20% decrease in usage. And then Robert Covington isn't even engaging offensively. He has an 8% usage rate. You start the game with a, a 20, and then you just don't engage offensively ever. We need to get those role players, and I hate putting Norman Powell and Robert Covington in that, that in that tier, but we need to get those guys the ball and have them create something offensively because having 40% of your offense run through one person is really inefficient, especially in this time of year when teams are going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at your one superstar. So Norm needs to get the ball more and create Robert Covington does Yusuf Nurkic does the, the players that have had the ball the most is Dame, CJ, and Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony has handled the ball more than CJ McCollum this series. I mean, that's it, it, it's been so wild, even in, in game one and game two. Like, CJ has a matchup advantage going up against Kempazu or, or Rivers, whoever yeah, wants whoever. to. For Portland not to seek that out has been interesting. Uh, we're, we're talking about a player who's capable of scoring 30 on any given night and a player who's probably still not going to draw the attention that that Lillard does. So, again, I think Portland, they're almost in this catch-22 situation because the way they started out tonight, I, I thought they could have benefited from, from Dane being aggressive and keeping them afloat. We, we just got too far behind early. But also, by doing that, you don't get your role players going. And, and CJ's better than the role player, but everybody other than Dane going. And if you can't get them going, they're probably not going to be ready to help out in the clutch or through the, the We need to get them in the, the rhythm. Game. Yeah, they, they just didn't have a rhythm. So, And honestly, it all goes back to the defense. Sage, if you're playing defense and you're not giving up 35, 40-plus point quarters – you can you can risk running possessions through Norman Powell and CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic and saying, hey, I'm going to trust you that you're going to produce here. It doesn't always have to be Damian Lillard. But because we can't get a goddamn stop, I think the team feels like, holy shit, okay, Dame, bail us out. Like, we got to match bucket for bucket. Like, this is, you know, Rucker Park in July. And that's all we're doing is going back and forth. It goes back to the defensive end of the floor the Blazers have to assert themselves. They have to put up some form of resistance. And again, I still think they'll win the series, but they're going to make it more difficult. Yeah. Even if we're looking ahead and I think this team is good enough to do so, you have to play better defense. Like this team is good. I have, I've banged that drum since the Norman Powell acquisition. This team is really damn good to be playing as bad as they do on defense. So I don't know if it's a coaching strategy change, if it's the players needing, you know, a little bit extra, you know, cold brew in the morning or pregame. I I don't know, but the effort needs to be better. The strategy of not switching every single pick and roll needs to be better. I I, want to see more fighting through screens. I want to see more just overall oomph out of this roster. Like, don't be happy that you just got one. Like, that's great. But now you've given the Denver Nuggets life. Mm-hmm. And you give an undermanned team any form of life. We, we've seen this. We talk about this every time with this team. When Portland loses games to the Charlotte Hornets, down three of their best four players. You give a team life, they start to believe. Everyone in this league is talented. Belief in yourself and confidence is what separates, I, I think, the, the, the greats from, from the goods. Denver starts to believe in themselves, and all of a sudden, you like you, said, you make it harder than it has to be. And you might fuck around and lose a series if you don't really take care of business. So Portland, instead of coming back home up 2-0 with a chance to just close the, the series down in front of 8,000 rabid Blazer Maniacs, now has to go back home and win two games. You don't want to give up home court advantage. Maybe this Blazer team plays their best with their backs against the wall. It could be. They have this whole season. But for 
a team that has prided themselves on their maturity, on their experience. I, I'm not going to lie. It was disappointing watching them play tonight, how they reacted to the officials, how they reacted to the Nuggets. Uh, not mad that they that they lost. Like I predicted a sweep, but it is tough to sweep a team. Not mad at the loss. Mad at how they lost. And they could have put up a much better fight and they didn't. And it was, it was evident from the jump. And again, for a team that's, that's been together, the core has been together so long that that shouldn't happen. Like maybe if, if they're new first, second year, but you know, Dame, CJ, Terry, even Nurk, Ennis, they've been around the block together in the trenches. So I, I was doing a query. Do you know you you know Tony Snell's rep, right? He just is on the court and doesn't do anything. He has the it, famous zero 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 stat line. He and he and Robert Covington have the same usage rate. Robert Covington in the playoffs, and then Tony Snell's usage rate. It's the same. So we need to get these guys engaged offensively. Norman, Robert, CJ. There's, I, I'm, I love Mello. He, he's won us many games. He, he's the most, he's the best points per dollar in the contract player in the game. There's no way that Carmelo Anthony should have a higher usage rate than CJ McCollum. I'm sorry. There's, it, it doesn't make sense, bro. You know what I think uh, mucked up the rotations tonight and, and caused Norman Powell's fouls. It wasn't yes, but also Anthony Simons had oh, yeah, blood the, in the his lip. mouth, and he wasn't able to get it taken care of. He had to go to the bench and go to the locker room at the ten minute mark of the second quarter, which Put forced Damien Dame, yeah. Damien to come back in. So Dame's really playing. 22 of the 24, you know, first half minutes. And I thought that really threw off the rotations. We never got Ant back in the game. He hit, I think, his only shot he took tonight, or one of two. Um, and it, we never got Ant going. So a team playing eight players, you know, Ennis didn't play much. Ant didn't play much. We really played six guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't do that. You have to have a little bit more trust. Dame had a three-minute break. That's it. Period. That 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 is as many minutes and like, halftime and halftime. That's it. Dame used all of his energy to keep us in that game during the magical run. I don't think he had much in the tank after that, and we couldn't generate any real efficient offense during the that second half of the game. So, yeah, the first game. We played like 70% of the minutes played were was our starting lineup. I can't wait for the minutes to come out to see how much of our starting lineup played this game. Cause we our rotation was supremely thin. We need to get we need to find minutes where Dame can rest and we can run our offense through CJ and Norman Powell. Like trust. Th- there's no way that we can have a long playoff run. If Dame expends this much energy in round one, we need him to have something left in the tank for round two, three, and and more. And just think about it. How much have we ridden Dame's coattails in the regular season? He's played a lot of minutes, ran a lot of miles. We have to find some way to get him a break somewhere because he didn't get it at all today. I, and I if we if it was agree. a close game, you know his ass wouldn't have been on the bench at all. If it was if it was a a nine point game, do you think Dane would have gotten gotten out at uh, the three minute mark? Hell no, right. he would have played the entire game. We need to find him some rest. I think it comes back to so you're talking about foul trouble. Well, Nasir Little came in. Jumper looked as pretty as ever. Derek Jones Jr. can come in, play a little bit of defense. We are thin at the guard position. But that was the case the entire year. But again, you have you have players, and again, 
you said it perfectly. We're not going to win anything by riding Dame this hard in the first round because spoiler alert, it's not going to get any easier than playing the Denver Nuggets and this guard rotation that they have. This is actually the easiest, the easiest defense that I think Damian Lillard has ever faced in the playoffs. So we should not only be resting Dame, but we should be saying, CJ, here, empower you. Go run the offense. Take over this game. Norman, get yours. The Blazer guards should have no problem. But again, when you're only running offense one way, it's hard for others to, to kind of get involved. And again, this is I'm not blaming Dame. Dame was the only one that I thought really showed up tonight it was more it was kind of the play calling and we saw this in the Atlanta game so that was the one game we lost in the road trip it was the game Portland got out of what they did they stopped running through Nurkic they stopped cutting they stopped moving the ball the ball was kind of sticking and it was isolation whether it was Carmelo whether it was Dame whether it was CJ it was just that's how we were playing we couldn't get a stop and then the game got away from us it was almost a carbon copy of that Atlanta Hawks game uh, late in the season Portland has to know what got them to the dance. What got you to the dance was a healthy dose of blazer ball movement, team chemistry, sharing the basketball, getting everyone involved. It was Damian Lillard got us to the playoffs. Our ball movement's been shit forever. During that stretch, it was beautiful. During that, the 10 of 12 games, it was wonderful. And this team has shown flashes of doing it, but it's almost like when you, whether you have a broken jump shot and a coach is trying to fix it and you go into the game, you revert back to old habits. You don't trust what the coaches have taught you to do. It's kind of the same thing with the Blazers. It's like, oh shit, Dame's always build us out. Let's just revert back to that instead of, okay, let's, let's run an offense. Let's, let's take care of the basketball or hey, fighting through screens has really worked for us. Communicating, it's just kind of a bummer, but all things considered, Sage, still at 1-1. So you've got the home court advantage back. We're going game three back home to Portland. Before we preview that, let's get to a few of our fan questions that we had. Uh, First off, from one of the OG listeners, long story longer, said, okay, I'm going to need you guys to break this one down for me. What a terrible game. Uh, I think we, we've, uh, hopefully, we, we have done that, but um, just wanted to acknowledge Long Story Longer as one of our uh, original listeners and just a great human being. So uh, shout out to you. Uh, moving on. Question from Dana Ramoni says, I believe a foul could be called on every play for either team. So how does a team develop a defensive reputation so that they get respect from the officials? Because refs can't call a foul every time without looking ridiculous. Although tonight tested that theory. It's a great question. So how do we develop a... a defensive reputation. We don't. And we don't this playoffs. That, that, that takes years and years of consistency. We haven't shown that ever. This, this entire Blazers era that we're in, we were good defensively one year, and that was because we were the best rebounding team in the league, and we had a narrative, and this is what we do. We rebound the ball. What is that for the Blazers this year? Because it was supposed to be we were going to be aggressive. That didn't happen. So we don't have, we, we don't have even the building blocks of a narrative defensively. So we're going to we're going to struggle until we have that defined until we know this is what we are. So I, yeah, I don't I, think I, we develop it. You have to re- results come before the reputation. Yeah. You, where, you're not going to get Where does the, where how, how many games have we been good defensively this year? It's a handful. 5 less six? than this many? L- less than a handful? Yeah, yeah. less. Um, so it, it has to be results driven and we haven't we don't deserve it. If we had the reputation, we don't deserve that shit. Yep. It, it comes like you can't come into a playoff series ranked in the bottom. You can't argue of that defense. We're a top 10 defense with Yusuf Nurkic on the court. 
How many minutes did Yusuf Nurkic play? Not much. So we're a bad yeah. defense. <laughs> like, maybe this time, if maybe this time next year, if we're able to, and it's consistency. You can't take games off. You have to consistently play good defense for officials to give you the benefit of the doubt. I mean, th- think of Damian Lillard in his nine years in the league. He gets calls on those three-point shots because he consistently raises up from that level and he hits them. Officials, okay, he's he's actually going to raise from here. So th- that's where, where it comes from. You, you look at Draymond Green. He has been known to been a lockdown defender. He's put in the work. He's one defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Hell yes, the officials are going to give him a little bit more leeway when he's playing defense. So again, yeah, we... it just com- comes with comes with results. Uh, last question from uh, Time Fleeting Thirty Four: Did Dame score the most inconsequential forty-plus point game in playoff history? He went nuclear, and it literally didn't even matter. Uh, I've never seen a game where literally nobody else showed up to play. Um, what what are your thoughts with that Sage? Um, the the song I tried so hard and gone so far, but in the end it didn't even matter. Came into my head like I feel bad. I, I feel bad that we couldn't capitalize on his his amazing ceiling level play. Yeah, I wouldn't call it inconsequential. I think it just shows. To me, it even further hammered home that the Blazers front office needs to do whatever it takes to pair Damian Lillard with another superstar. Uh, you you cannot continue to waste this greatness. Uh, it also gave me you know even more hope that it, it doesn't matter what the score is. We we may have came up short tonight, but like to see that that brilliant burst. I mean, that was like bubble Dame. That was MVP Dame. It, only a handful of humans on this planet can do what he does and i think it's it's going to give the denver nuggets nightmares because they they witness what what he can do the ceiling and i think it's only a matter of time before the other blazers kind of follow suit so no i I don't agree that it was inconsequential um i thought it was brilliant basketball by a brilliant blazer and i i think that you know damian lillard is averaging like 38 points and 12 and a half assists per game through two games in Denver. That is just incredible. He is torching them. I expect that level of play to continue in Portland. So we've got our superstar. We, we know what he can do. Now it's okay. Can, can the rest of the Blazers uh, come along for the ride? And I think they will. Like, I think there's probably going to be a lot of overreacting tonight. Um, we still got the split. It, it wasn't as good as I wanted or thought should have happened. But it, at the end of the day, the Blazers are still in the driver's seat in, in this series. I mean, Tara and I predicted that this was going to happen. So it's not like it was a successful road trip. It was a successful business trip, even though it wasn't exactly what you wanted. It was still a very successful trip. You know, the, we won a game where we weren't, hitting at all uh all levels and then we lost the game where we didn't do the things that we needed to do all right sage let's look ahead to game three which is going to be thursday night 7 30 there's going to be eight thousand fans inside the arena it's going to feel like twenty eight thousand. going to have a socially distant section going to have a vaccinated section it's going to be the first playoff game in Portland since the 2019 Western Conference Finals run. Anybody in attendance is going to just be absolutely just in, engaged, energized, enthused for this game. I mean, you look at how the fans at the Madison Square Garden were for the Knicks playoff game. I expect similar energy Thursday and Saturday for Portland, but for game three, Sage, aside from the boost that I think the Blazers are going to get from their fans, I think it's going to be a large boost. I I don't want to understate that at all. What are some adjustments that Terry Stotts and the coaching staff can make that can get Portland back in command of this series? Well, I think that the rotation players are going to play better at their own home gym. I mean, that that's, that's a thing. Like, 
you're used to the shooting backdrop of Moda Center. So I, th- I, I expect that CJ and Norm, I th- I, those two need to show up in these games. There needs to be that secondary attack offensively. They haven't really given us a consistent secondary attack yet this playoffs. So I, I think that the boost from the fans, the boost from the shooting backdrop, those are going to be huge. But I think that we really have to defend without fouling because our, our rotation is really light right now. So we have to rebound, show the same energy, and then our guys have to step up and stay in the same, like, you know, carry the weight. Who, who's going to take the weight? So I, I think I noticed, I mean, I think Norman CJ, excuse me. One thing I noticed Denver do coming out of halftime of game two is they put Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard. I, I wouldn't read in too much of that as, oh, Dame only scored, you know, 10 points. Dame was, was pretty gassed and still got off mm-hmm. pretty quality looks against Aaron Gordon. But them bringing out one of their tallest players to the perimeter opens things up for who's 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 deferring who's going to make Dame think twice about driving who's going to make Norm think twice about driving Farron Gordon's in the perimeter so you've got CJ and Norm that are going to be on either Rivers Compazu and whoever is guarding Porter Jr I think it's an advantage for Portland if they want to run pick and roll and, and see if Denver wants to switch that or even get Denver thinking about how they want to defend that there's going to be open opportunities if Portland wants to play patient and they mm. want to value the possession and they want to share the basketball, like this is a game where I envision if Portland takes care of the ball, like turnovers are going to be key. You cannot turn the ball over 21 times when you only average 11 and just was it like the ball for around. the first game. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've got to take care of the so ball. They're like 600 times their turnovers from game one to game two. And I think getting the, these role players open shots are key. Even if you're running pick and pop with Covington, Covington is a lockdown shooter. And they've been digging. Like one thing I noticed is they build the wall against Dame. That corner shooter has been open. We just haven't found him. That corner shooter has been open. Um, like Norman Powell has had the open corner three open quite a bit. Um, one thing they did with DJJ is they treated him like uh, Tony Allen. Uh, when the Grizzlies did what they did to Tony Allen. What I thought was really brilliant is that they were so aggressive and not guarding him that he got some back cut alley-oops. So I think finding that weak side three-point shooter is going to be really big for our offense because they don't, they haven't been showing that person the respect. Norman Powell deserves respect on the open corner. I think it's time for him to have a good game. And I, his shooting wasn't, one thing I learned watching Ryan Anderson shoot is if it's if it's long or short, it's going to be fu- he's going to positively regress. But if it's left or right, that's where the shooting's problem. Norman Powell is just missing long and short. So I, I have no I have all the faith in the world that Norm will hit his his open threes, especially if Denver is just giving up that corner three. I think two statistics to look out for are going to be points in the paint. Denver outscored Portland 54 to 32 in game two. Denver has zero rim protectors out there. We need to live in the paint. Yes, I know we're shooting well from three, but continue to go in there. And also, please, for the love of God, defend the paint. And then fast break points, a 16 to four advantage for Denver. A lot of those coming off of Portland turnovers. Uh, limit those limit the amount of easy baskets that Denver can get Um, those are going to be huge categories to watch in terms of of x factors again it's got to be the blazer bench Carmelo Anthony Anthony Simons can they produce like they did in game one if they do Portland is is impossible to defend if if they're quiet then it, it puts even more pressure on Covington and Nurkic and it just, again, starts to be a domino effect. Like, the other Blazers have to come to the dance. Like, Dame can't do this all by himself. So who's going to help him out? Uh, I look for Portland to 
get them involved early and often. And ultimately it's predicated on defense. You're, you're able to try to be patient and get others involved. If you're getting multiple stops, there was a point in time. I think the the blazer announcers mentioned in the second quarter, the blazers or the nuggets had only missed two shots. They were like nine of 11. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like you have to get stops. Like this, this isn't, you know, a pac 12 after dark game where both teams are going to score 70 plus points. Uh, you have to find a way to stop Denver, get out on the break yourselves, because Sage, I, I can tell you, Denver is undermanned. If Portland goes on any sort of a run, you factor in that crowd, it could snowball on Denver in a hurry, but it doesn't happen until they put the onus and the emphasis on the defensive end of the floor. Norman and CJ going to be the second and third options that they were brought in and uh, marketed as. I mean, I, I need to see more usage from those three. And, and I think Yusuf, Yusuf got kicked in the nuts. I think that he's going to be ready to play the level of basketball that we've seen in the last 30 days from him. I mean, there's so much riding on this series, on this postseason run for everybody not named Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do you guys want to stay in Portland? Do you want to build upon this core? If you do, go out and prove it. If not, I mean, this this is going to be like, we've talked about it. This is going to be a blow-up type of, of offseason if you cannot get past this Denver Nuggets team. Like, this is this this series was tailor-made for Portland to advance. At the bare minimum, they have to get out of the first round. And, and I'm sorry if those expectations are too high. But that, that's the bottom line in my mind. Like, this team is too good to fuck around with this Denver team. You've got to go in and say, no, you're the little brother. <laughs> we're, we're big bro. We're going to get ours first, and you can get yours in Cancun in the offseason. So I look for the Blazers to have a big bounce-back performance. you got the crowd. You've got a bad taste in your mouth. I think they're going to bounce back like they did in Game 4 mm-hmm. against the Oklahoma City Thunder there's going to be no more talking between the nuggets, between the referees Portland's going to shut their mouths and they're going to go to work. And if they do that, they're going to win. I think Portland goes up two one uh, aside from Dame. Um, I, again, I think we're going to get Carmelo. We need it. We go as Carmelo goes. All right. Um, yeah. I, I think the Blazers win. And then we're, we're talking on the next podcast about how we're, how we're going to sweep them at home. Um, you already wrap this bad boy up. All right. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, dash radio, nothing but net radio. If you listen this far, you're a real one. Thank you to everybody who's asked questions and listened and, you know, interacted with us on Twitter. Y'all are real ones. We will be back after the next game. Peace. You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night. Everybody. Let's go! Let's go.